Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, this is Emma, production and experience director at the Webby Awards. You might remember me from the old ads, but I'm back. Are you as impressed by the work of the Webby winners as we are? The work honored at the Webby Awards is changing the future of the internet, and you can have access to all the deets behind it. Sign up to the Webby Gallery and Index to uncover insights, inspiration, and trends for your work or just for fun. You'll get the ability to discover innovative projects from around the world that are awesome online, a database of credits to check out who made all that groundbreaking digital work, Trends and insights not available outside of our database, including major categories like fashion, sports, and social, and the advanced power of search. So if you're ahead of us and want to find something we didn't mention, you can do that too. Make sure you're in the know and sign up for free at the top of our page at webbyawards.com. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Life isn't just about algorithms. We have the technology to Don't buy pets. Adopt them. Buy trophy shelves at Wayfair. Hey there, and welcome back to the Webby Podcast. If you're anything like me, there are probably some things on the internet you have a weird e-commerce relationship with. For a while, for me, it was sleeping masks. I bought one, and then for weeks, all I saw were ads for other sleeping masks, and each one of them somehow seemed better than the one I had. Why does this happen? How did I suddenly take off on a quest for the best sleeping mask, or the best potato peeler, or the best pencil, or whatever? My next guests, Suchin Pak and Kulap Vilaisak, have a new podcast, Add to Cart, where they think about this kind of thing all the time. They describe Add to Cart as being about the things we buy, buy into, and what it says about who we are. Kulap is an actress, writer, and comedian. You'd probably recognize her from The Office. She was also the showrunner of the popular CISO hit, Bajillion Dollar Properties. Su Chin is a journalist, formerly of MTV News, and she was also the host of Cribs. Suchin and Kulap both have some pretty weird things in their car, and we talk a lot about that. We start off talking about the early days of Kulap's career in Hollywood's comedy scene, and Suchin's experience as MTV's first Asian-American host for iconic TV shows like Total Request Live and Cribs. What's, what was it like to be an Asian-American icon? Go ahead, Suchin. I'm, I'm co-hosting by this way. I take, I take offense at the was, but you know, hey... Um... Let's keep it present day. You know, let's keep it hit. Okay. Sorry. I'd like to go back, uh, pick that up. Um, Sujin, uh, what's it like to be an Asian American icon today? Um, I mean, listen, I was at MTV for 10 years. I was at the time, probably, I think I was the first Asian American. I was the only female in the newsroom for quite a while. I can't, I don't think that anybody came in while I was there that I can remember, you know, and I was there for 10 years. I was there at the height of TRL and NSYNC and Britney Spears and 
Mariah Carey's breakdown, you know, lots of pop culture moments. Yeah. But being on the news side as well, you know, I, you know, traveled to Thailand to cover, you know, what happened with the tsunami and, you know, Haiti. And so it was kind of in some ways a best of both worlds job, which is probably why after leaving MTV, it was really hard to figure out what I wanted to do because for 10 years I got to play you know, at the VMAs, but I also got to cover things that I was really passionate about. I mean, now the news landscape has changed so much. You know, Twitter pretty much killed killed news <laughs> and certainly killed news for us. But before that, you know, when you were at MTV and you did like diary style, do you remember that? You know, yeah. that was like avant-garde, you know, before that was sort of like the norm of it. You know, MTV was like the only place where as a journalist, you came in with your own personal story as part of the reporting that nobody was a blank slate, which I always thought to be kind of ludicrous and something that I just wasn't interested in. So it was great, but it was also like messy and it was stressful and it was live TV every day and it was MTV and I was in my twenties and Sounds fun. it was fun. It was stress. It was all those things. It was traumatizing. It was- <laughs> healing, you know, it was a, it's a wild way to, to grow up, you know, in your twenties in New York, you know, coming from a small town in the Bay area. One of the things I was sort of thinking about that time in general at MTV, just as, you know, somebody who's sort of watching along with it was that even though the web and the internet were out and they were popular and people were using them from the sort of more content entertainment perspective, it wasn't really developed. And actually MTV was a was a place that was, as you're just sort of saying, was like super experimental and where, you know, was actually like a lot of the the beginnings of the type of content that we saw in the early like YouTube Internet and stuff, but with real budgets. Yeah. Right. It's sort of like after it's like the early Internet content was like very experimental, but also like people were making things for like ninety five dollars. Yeah. And I'm sure the budgets at MTV were not maybe quite what they were at some of the other like larger networks, but I would imagine it was like it was pretty good. Looking back, do you sort of see that? I mean, I do. I think that, you know, when I left there, people were like, oh, you know, do you miss it? You know, is it something that you think about? And then it stopped existing when I left. Do you know what I mean? So it was, it's almost like my time there was like a bubble, a time in history and pop culture and technology that was just in that time. Because like I said, you know, I remember very <laughs> distinctly, I know this is going to sound so just so ridiculous but the world I was living in I remember when I was supposed to go on TRL and I feel like Britney Spears was giving birth or something was some big thing she had gone through many phases while I was there she was a big news item for our audience and we couldn't go on air to confirm whatever it was that that was happening and it was all over Twitter and online but because we still acted as a newsroom and we had to have sources checked. And I just remember sitting there being like, wow, you know, like I'm about to go on TRL, probably like Britney Spears Central. And I can't give like the biggest news that's happening in her life because I can't verify the sources. The whole internet is it. So I just, the writing on the wall was so clear. I was like, oh, this is just the beginning of the end. And I think with the advent of YouTube and the internet, 
you know, you would go to MTV and you watch music videos. And even when I was there, I realized that music videos weren't as big of a thing as they had been in the past. But you had a, a show like TRL where if you dropped an album, you had to be, had on, to be it. on it. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. the biggest radio show in the world. And that was it. Like you, you had to get a slot on that. There was no way around it. But now with, you know, social and with YouTube, the artists didn't need that. So the relevancy of, of music television and MTV and pop culture television, you know, you take that power away from there and then give it back to the artists or big, give it back to a community. They sort of lost, you know, what their influence was. And I think that they're still struggling to find that even yeah. now. So that's a long way of saying that, like, I think my time there was, it was a blip, you know, it's so different than the way that it is now. And when I walked away from that, the news, um, as you knew, at 10 to the hour, you know, remember Kurt Loder and, you know, oh, yeah. the big thing. And, you know, uh, that generation got their news for better or for worse. It might be better from where they get, we're getting it today, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> right. Kula, is it fair to say you sort of started your career in the L.A. comedy scene? Yeah, very fair. We were talking earlier, you grew up in St. Paul. Yep, suburb uh, called Egan, or named Egan, sorry. It's not me that just calls it Egan. Everyone does there. Is that like a classic, you were, you know, super into comedy and St. Paul and dying to get to L.A. your whole life kind of story? Or like, how did you, how did you, you know, get out there and, and get inspired to get into comedy? Not necessarily. Um, my mom had a restaurant in Minneapolis called Diamond Thai. We're Lao, but we had a Thai restaurant because people knew what, where Thai was, yep. Thailand. And in the back, I, I did a lot of child labor. And while I was doing that child labor of washing dishes and debating shrimp, I would watch all of the sitcoms, SNL. So um, certainly a, a student of many types of comedy. The first movie I remember seeing in the theater with my parents was Coming to America. And so growing up in the family that I did, I wouldn't say that a, a life in the arts was encouraged um, <laughs> at all. And when it was time to pick schools, I one knew I wanted to get out. And two, I was like, well, I like fashion. I like buying things. Uh, fashion school? <laughs> And so I decided between it, the decision was between New York and LA and then FIT, I needed to take like the ACTs or something like that on top of the SATs. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to fit them in LA. And that's really the beginning, <laughs> middle and end. And then when I was away from my family and by myself in LA, I was like, oh, I could do other things. I did some theater in high school and I, I did, um, you know, not to brag, I was in speech, humorous and terp. Didn't make it to state. But I I felt like when I was in L.A., like by myself, I could I could start taking classes at Second City. And Second City led to the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which led to, you know, getting on the office. And and the rest is, they say, herstory. <laughs> do they? I'm only uh, saying do they because for people you can't see cool up right now but she's she's laughing pretty she's laughing a lot so but in question david <laughs> Hest is herstory so you two of you have a new podcast that's coming out 
it seems super interesting. I'm, I'm, I like, I was telling you, I listened to the trailer and I'm very obsessed with the topic in general. Uh, I don't know if you, I'll let you tell about it, but I even remember, I don't know if you, did, have you ever hear this woman, Dee Dee Gordon? Did you ever hear about her? Dee Dee Gordon? No. Yeah, she was this lady that was like one of the early cool hunters and like sort of like in the eighties would like hang out with like kids in LA to figure out like what, you know, shoes they were wearing and like did a ton of like sociological studies on the way stuff becomes sort of, but this is all pre-internet. So just to say that, like, I've always been fascinated with stuff. So when I saw the podcast you have coming out, I was super, super interested in it. I want to talk to you about it. How did you two get together on it and tell us, tell us what it's about? I think we met over a year ago. This is a new relationship, you guys, a budding honeymoon phased relationship. I love hearing, David, your interview with Kulop because these are things I actually don't know <laughs> about her. So I was like, oh my goodness, you didn't make it to sleep. I love co-host him. Um, <laughs> You're upset. Okay. So <laughs> Taking part, that in. I think part of the fun of the show is, is that there's like a lot that we connect on and, you know, just like on a soul level, you meet someone and you're like, oh, that's just a kindred spirit. But all like the little details are things that we get to discover, you know, on, on the podcast. So that's really fun. And another big element of the show is that we don't tell each other what we bought this week. Oh. And so there's just, there's just lots of like uh, discovery and I don't know, giggling and, I fall more and more in love with you, Kulop. Every every week, I I get to know the layer. Likewise, <laughs> we uh, we met because we both are organizers uh, for the AAPI uh, spoke of Times Up Entertainment. Oh, cool! Uh, we call the group A Plus. Okay. Um, and <laughs> we strive. Yes, we strive, and and you know that's why Suchin reacted the way she did when she found out I didn't go to state. Because I, yeah, yeah, I fell, I fell below expectations then. We'll talk about that not in next week's episode. But tell them what the show is about. We always get into like the fun stuff and then forget that. And I should say it's called, it's called Add to Cart. Uh, so for people who don't know, it's coming out very soon. November 17th. Yes. And so Add to Cart is about the things we buy and the things we buy into and what that says about who we are. That's real good. It sounds good, huh? It's very... Very easy like to say. I like it. I will try that for now, and then we'll keep changing it. Yeah, uh, we'll evolve. We'll evolve as people throw tomato, virtual tomatoes at us. But the show is really, I mean, when Kulop and I sat down, well, obviously Kulop is a podcasting pro and hero, and she had wanted to get back to doing something. And so she was like, well, do you want to do, do something with me? What kind of a show? And we kind of, I mean, obviously we're both – politically active and socially engaged. And that was like maybe one idea. <laughs> and then I was like, it's too much pressure. I can't do that every week. Um, it's too much thinking. I want to do something where it's very natural to the rhythm of my day. And so we both came up with this idea of we're obsessed with what's in each other's carts, you know, whether they be medicine cabinet or what's in your purse or your glove compartment. And I think that those things reveal so much about who we are, uh, much more than, you know, a statement or, you know, an, even an interview. So asking someone, you know, what their biggest 
you know, regretful purchase over quarantine um, has been, says a lot about how someone's quarantine has been, you know, more so than maybe even a, a vibe check or a mood check on, on how they're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. One thing I was sort of interested in is the title. I mean, there's a really obvious thing like, okay, what's in my cart? I get it. But the other thing is that the cart is kind of like, the cart is kind of an interesting thing when you really think about it conceptually, because it's like a bit of a way station, right? So like mm-hmm. before the internet, you put stuff in your like shopping basket or something. I mean, I'm sure there's some things you put in there that you didn't buy, but generally like you just, you just used it to transport the stuff to the register and you paid for it. But I don't know about for you all, but now like the car is sort of like, am I going to buy this? It's like this contemplative and I'm sure people treat it very differently. Like sometimes I go to like our Amazon thing and there's like, you know, 74 things in the car and like, we probably won't even buy any of them. And I'm sure other people like only put it in their cart if they're going to buy it. And they also have like zero inbox zero and all that kind of stuff like crazy. people. <laughs> but, but like, I don't know. that's, like, that's me. And then before I was Suchin. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I feel like the cart says something about like the process or thinking of like getting things these days and how that's actually like a pastime. I guess it's shopping really at the end of the day. What do you think? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, now with the internet and we're all home and whether it's online on your phone, we're never not shopping. Like all of us have an open cart on the internet somewhere that multiple open carts, multiple open carts, mostly that we haven't clicked process payment on or added to cart. Maybe it's on a wait list or whatever. So it's just as interesting to me that I was thinking about it and at any moment, like if I'm just kind of in between stuff, I'll be like, oh, wait, what, what's in my target cart? Did I need? Oh, I, oh yeah, no, I already got. And it's just, it's so much more than like you said, you know, vehicle for just buying something. It really is kind of like the way that we look at consumerism and how we shop and how we spend our time and how we spend our downtime. It's just is really interesting because, I mean, I have to ask you, David, where for example, I'm sure you've got an open cart somewhere that you haven't clicked purchase on. Can you think of what that cart is? Oh, I mean, my wife and I share a lot of carts, which is like a great thing and a terrible thing. (laughs) Because what happens is we sometimes accidentally actually buy things that neither of us intended to ever buy, but they're in the cart. I don't know if that happens to you at all, but when sometimes we buy two of the same thing, like we'll get two bicycle pumps, (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, why do we get two bike pumps? And then you go back and it's because, you know, somebody put one in there and then somebody put another one in there and then somebody didn't notice. What kind of cart shopper are you, Kulap? Are you like put everything in there and evaluate it or or like are you very selective or like what's your what's your attitude toward the cart? 
I am very decisive for sure. I mean, maybe I'll do some research before, but I'm not, there's not too much that's waiting, mm. waiting. And and if I get an email, you know, say from like a Brooks Brothers and they're like, hey, you forgot something in cart and I'll, I'll go back and I'll, yes, I don't want it. Delete right? it. Delete wow. that cart. I don't need it there. But then there are a few things where like I'm hemming and hawing about not sure yet. You know, am I getting an e-bike now? I don't know. Because what is the e-bike that I want? Oh, it's a super bougie one. Is this the time to do that? So, the, you know, and I'm, I'm wrestling with that. And so in that way, my cart is my mind. <laughs> oh, that's deep. Thank you, DMD. You get me. <laughs> Your cart is my mind. Or scary also. <laughs> Yeah, what? that's probably more accurate. See how it changes? It changes right here before you. What do you have? In your, what do you have in your cart? Can we like do an episode preview, Suchin? What do you have in your cart? If, oh boy, Kulop has e-bikes in there. What do you have? Where do we begin? Is yeah, so it like it's like two hundred items kind of thing? Well, yeah, I, I, it's so. I this is so fun. Isn't this fascinating? I find this apps. I, I can talk about this. Every week for hours. Wait, I do. Kulop. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's still interesting to me. See, Kulop is much more decisive. And she sort of, she decides on something. She's going to get it. No regrets. Let's figure out how it works. I'm, yeah, I have thousands of carts spread across many countries. <laughs> and many apps. I'm always just contemplating never processing payment. Like it is so hard for me to buy anything. I have to do many meditations. I sit with it. We haven't talked about this on the show, but I think one of the things we have to talk about is just even, I think it's also a reflection of, you know, our relationship to money. Yeah. Yes. It's how we were raised. It's, you know, how we take care of ourselves or not take care of ourselves. I mean, it's just so much. It says so much. So, and something that I revealed recently in my cart, and I was vulnerable and open about it, is, is that I, I have a, an old-timey typewriter. Huh. See, thank you, DMD. Fine. I was, I didn't know where that was going, but I was really worried about it. But that was 100% fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, here's the thing, DMD. I was worried about too because I thought she was going to go a different way. That's, I don't know where, really? what, way? what way were you thinking I was going to go? Seems like maybe I shouldn't be here. Oh, something in another region. I also, yes, no, I don't know. Or, you know, a book about like some, I have no idea, just something like, you know, oversharing yeah. it. Well, it was a category that I presented to Kulop where this was a category called, does this thing make me look weird? You know, like, does this item, me contemplating it, being tortured about it, make me look a little weird? Like, I I am maybe, it. what it says about me, the vulnerability of it is that I have a hard time being around people. And so <laughs> go with me on here. Just, I'm going to get here. And so I have over this quarantine time, just some, just every day stepped one step further back into myself away from connecting with people. And this typewriter is just one more step. Like instead of emailing, <laughs> I have this notion that 
maybe I could type a letter and put it in the mail and you would get it. And then you could write me a letter and nobody calls, nobody emails, nobody texts, nobody voicemails. We just keep it, you know, 1928. So so she would email me and then I would type copy that. I would put that in a uh, <laughs> in an envelope. I would send it to her. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm sweating. I'm so excited. I just, I, I just also want you to notice that when you said electric typewriter, DMD was the second person, myself included, that was like, that's a cool, I think that's cool. Yeah. I yeah. like that. That's kind of cool. It doesn't make totally. you weird. I think it's great. So I just really want you to take that in. Yes. I'm going to take that in. And I, I am so glad I shared it because that will be arriving very soon. So I'm excited. Yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely would not have, you know, gone from the that makes you, you know, weird, you know, afraid of people. Essentially. <laughs> but, well, well, listen to the podcast episode. Yeah. You get a, you get a real good flavor of who Kulap and I are. Like I 100% get as a person who is way too plugged in the wanting to unplug and not have the cacophony of voices at the ready at all times. Yeah. I totally get it. I, I'm not going to change who I am, but I understand. <laughs> I understand it. Well, I mean, so you were, I want to explore one of the things you were talking about there about sort of like our, a lot of this is about our relationship to money and to, and on a deeper level, like stuff and consumerism and some of these bigger questions about where we find meaning and and things like that. How has the pandemic affected the way you think about some of those decisions? I know this is like a little bit more serious than that what we were sort of on here a second ago, but um, I think it's sort of given all of us sort of a, a different way of, on the one hand, sort of forced to order a lot of more stuff than we maybe did in the past and depending on shipping and all these things in ways that people hadn't really been or hadn't really engaged with. But on the other hand, you know, there's been like a bit of a pause, which gives everybody a bit of a chance to sort of think a bit more about some of the stuff and contemplate it a little bit more. I think early pandemic for me, I bought, aside from groceries and fretting about groceries and toilet paper, I stopped, I just, I stopped buying for a good chunk of time. I just, which is for me, <laughs> a kid who because of child labor, had spending money that I earned at an early stage. And I would like be a waitress at 11 and have like $10 tips and immediately spend it on a, you know, something at like Global Village uh, <laughs> in downtown Minneapolis or a weird looking vest at a vintage store. <laughs> um, that That has been a form of therapy. And I just, I was for the longest time, like, it didn't matter. None of that stuff yeah. mattered. Um, things didn't matter. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think Kulop and I are, I mean, we'll be proven wrong, I suppose, when this goes live. But, you know, we're not, we're not the type of people who, uh, we understand that buying things, you know, doesn't make you happy. We under, you know what I mean? We understand the environmental impact of things like we're very aware of, of that. So this isn't a show about let's buy stuff. You yeah. know? This is really about a show about all this stuff we're talking about here, which is how we buy stuff, what we buy, what we don't buy, how we approach consumerism says a lot about who we are. And right now in the middle of all of this, 
I mean, I wouldn't say I'm buying less, but I'm buying things that I don't normally buy, which is like shoes. <laughs> like where are we going? When's the last yeah. time? Shoes. So like just anything that, you know, like I, I love getting dressed and going to work and, you know, and lunch and friends. So that has changed. I think a lot of my kind of quarantine buying has been about how do I make our home, which is now a school, a workplace, a Korean spa. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. You know, now we're seeing our you know, grandparents every day, like restaurant, you know what I mean? Bread making factory. Like, how do I make this home that has now become everything, my my whole ecosystem, work better? And so I think that that has been a big shift for me. I also think that for me, at least, there's this mentality of right now where I just want to save everything in terms of money. So I get nervous. You know what I mean? Like I just, there's such a level of uncertainty that for me, like if I'm going to make a purchase, i.e. an old timey typewriter, you know, it's got to make sense. I got to really want it. It's got to serve multiple functions. So I think that that kind of level of consideration has always been there, but it's just even more focused now. One of, one of the things that uh, when I'm like buying something, one of my challenges is that and then partially, I think, because of our work here at the Webby Awards, we're we're like pretty aware of the fact that like there's a lot of information about out there about what you what you buy and what is the best one, which is a can be like a fetish in itself. Like I'm I'm not gonna buy just anyone. I'm gonna make sure it's really the best one and going deep, you know, you can get deep into the comments and all that kind of stuff. But also like all those other questions, you know, where it came from and is it if it's food, is it organic? And if it's other stuff, is it made, you know, is it fair trade? And there's so much information out there around purchasing. I mean, if we take it away from the this purchasing stuff, but just say it's so much information about out there about what we choose to believe or want to have be part of our environment or whatever, it can be crippling. I, I don't find it crippling. It's one of the places I, I, I feel power in, in many places in my life, but I feel one of uh, the places I especially I feel that we can we can. Gosh, I don't want to use the word movement. I want to try to find something better than <laughs> movement. Uh, Sujin, I like what you said before when we were kind of talking about, you know, as a woman, what what we're able cash and I just don't want to bring it down to like women be shopping you know but as you know head of households the things that we buy and it, it, I don't know it's it's political yeah I think it is I think these these intimate choices that we make these personal choices that we make in our lives especially now feel and can often feel like a social statement or a value judgment or a political statement. And, you know, not to say that like every choice is, but I think that that's at least for me and for Kulop, I, I'm going to speak for you as well, is, is that I think that those things are very hard to, to separate. Now, did we in episode one talk about the Amazon problem? You know what I mean? Like, do we talk about the fact that, yeah, like this isn't, you know, Kulop and I aren't 
going to stop buying things on Amazon, but we're also not going to not recognize that that's problematic. But that's the ongoing discussion, you know, like yeah. we're, we're not here to, to solve it, but we're certainly not going to ignore the fact that these kinds of conversations, you know, we're having, we, we're all having, you know, like, yes, like we all know it. We all know when we click on Amazon, you know, or any of these fast fashion sites or we go to Target, there's, these are conversations that, that you have with yourself and you weigh them and you try to figure out what the best alternative is. And if there isn't, then you buy it where you buy it. But I think that what's great about this podcast is, is that we're, we're talking about that. We're talking about those choices and how difficult it can be to make those choices, but also like how all of that takes up this mental space. And so it's just nice to have a place where you can figure out where you stand on that. Yeah. And, and also to add, which is that Amazon, just that general concept, whether you want to say Amazon or fast fashion or, you know, it's also good for a lot of people. Amazon has a lot of products which are really inexpensive and are really useful. And there's a lot of people out there who don't necessarily have lots of great stores and options for local things and all that. And like, you know, buying like a solid pair of like inexpensive socks is like, it's actually, it's a meaningful thing for some people, right? Yeah, because there's, you know, people talk about food deserts. There's also retail yeah, deserts exactly. yeah. uh, in certain communities. Let's talk a little bit about data and not to get like too technical or anything, but I bought a pot for somebody's wedding, you know, like a, a Dutch oven. And now, and this is like sort of an old idea, but it's true. It's just happened to me. And like, there's this Dutch oven that follows me around on the internet. Like it's been like three <laughs> weeks now. And like, I go to the New York Times to see who's winning the election. And like, there's the Dutch oven. And, and I'm like, I bought it. I already bought it. Leave me alone. Is that something you're interested in? Like the role that all these sort of outside sources are playing as part of the decision about what's in your car and when you're feeling like manipulated or advertised to and how subtle it is? Because it really is, it's significant, right? Like that's a really obvious example, but there's all these studies that just, you know, even like walking down the street in New York for three hours, you'll see like, you know, 10,000 images or whatever it is, which are kind of subtly pushing us into this stuff. I'm trying to pull what that term is. I had a show on the now defunct NBC streaming platform, CISO. Yeah. And they talked about, oh gosh. It's like ad stalking or something yeah, like that? Yeah, but they, like they take that. a phone and it's a really creepy term. Like something, it's called like scraping or something like that. So that you have, it's it's something like that. So that the, you know, pointed ads come up. Yeah. And certainly, isn't there something with like Gmail? Like if you type something to a friend or like, then that's what the ad will show up. But, you know, we can talk about that like on IG and, you know. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. Nothing, nothing is free. Nothing. <laughs> so you, I mean. there's a co Or there's just a cost for everything. Yeah, there's a cost for everything. So if you have free email, <laughs> it's not free. You know what I mean? You're giving away something. We haven't talked about it yet you know, in terms of, of really specifically that, but I think we do talk a lot about, and we joke about it, but like our sort of short term for that is like scam or not scam, you know, like mm. this past episode, we were talking about like feminine hygiene products, you know, like scam or not scam. Like, is this just like, is this soap, but they put pink packaging on it and like an abstract figure of a woman. And I'm like, my lady part needs a special soap, you know, like. Uh, and 100% I'm a sucker for 
for good packaging. And I, and I recognize like, yeah, that, that's going to cost more because they figured that, that packaging out. <laughs> that's, I wasn't going to call you out. Philip. I was waiting. I'm <laughs> fine with that. <laughs> but yeah, like we joke about it with each other. Like, uh, if I had has beautiful packaging, I am immediately skeptical. I'm like, I, I need it to be ugly. I need, <laughs> I need a can opener. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. I need it full ingredients list. I don't need asterisks. I don't need you know. But cool up, which is great, is yeah. she's aesthetically you know inclined, inclined. And gullible, I, I, you know, and we make fun of each other for it all the time. So I think that it's nice because we both have a really great sense of humor about it, but we also come from it from different perspectives. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's just another part of how does something become popular or how does something become attractive or how does something become something we want to buy? Right. And whether that's, and I'll segue here a bit, cause you also are talking about, I think, not just buying stuff, but also buying into ideas and movements, right? And how do we become enamored by or interested into something? And the data thing is just, you know, the way it's used by all the people trying to get us into whatever they're selling or is just one component. What are, what are some of the other ways that you all think about what makes something attractive or makes ideas compelling or makes us enamored with certain movements suddenly? I, I was thinking about early pandemic and my sister... At the beginning of the year, my sister was like, look at this TikTok of this guy making this Delgana coffee. I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. And it took for like the first month of pandemic where I felt like everyone got into making this instant coffee with a frothy head. And we're all whipping up this <laughs> coffee and we're all taking photos of it. And it's so interesting how social media, you know, in that small way, we have this collective experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which because some Asian kid in TikTok <laughs> posted about it like that's so wild I don't even drink coffee and I was like I want that you could have you could have done that with matcha yeah it's, it's a good one yeah I'll make it for you when we can I think I would even go back to that question you asked about how our buying habits may have changed during this time and I would say even for me, like we had a great conversation, Kulap and I on the show about something she added to her cart. And I was just like, I couldn't agree with. And it was, what was that show? The, oh, oh, the home edit. The home edit. Right. So like, so like right pre pandemic, you know, I, I'll watch a good home design decor show. And I just told Kulip, I was like, I don't know. I lost the taste. I have lost the taste for that. Like sitting down and watching a giant home of a very wealthy celebrity trying to figure out what to do with her toddler collection of sports cars is like, I just like, I couldn't believe that this was on. I was like, who? Khloe Kardashian. Who's <laughs> watching this right now? Like what? I was. She bought the book. I was like, there. I bought the book. Add to cart. Book about this. So, I for me, I have not opened the book, but I bought it. Add to cart. Add to cart. So for me, I think you know, in terms of whether it's purchasing things or for me, just 
as we're in our homes and, you know, these screens have become such a big part of the way that we entertain ourselves, like what we're watching, I think is really fascinating. You know, for me, it's like, I would never watch a show about people doing pottery and there's a contest, but HBO Max has a show. I binge, I was like, this is what I need right now. I need to watch people with British accents throwing clay <laughs> on a wheel and making beautiful pottery. And I need to watch it a lot. <laughs> and I need to be there and I need to understand how this is making me feel. So, but I think that it's just interesting, you know, the way that we consume not only obviously things, but ideas, TV shows, books, all of that stuff that you just mentioned, David. Yeah, and I think a lot of us, I would hazard probably everybody who's on the squad cast because of the pandy or the quar, however you want to, whatever you want to put it, have had to sit with ourselves and our partners and just really take stock, really assess uh, what is a priority, what we need, what we don't need, and what would help the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think I, for one, have done things uh, I've realized pre-quarantine. I had blonde hair during the quarantine. No, thank you. <laughs> and post quarantine, not, yep, not gonna do that again. We did it. I'm uh, not gonna spend that much time dying and maintaining it. I don't need to do that. And, and that, that is, you know, one slight, very shallow example <laughs> that I'm sharing, but I think it illustrates something. Yes, something. It does. Cool up, be Lysok, Suchin Pack. The podcast is Add to Cart. It comes out November 17th. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us on the Webby Podcast. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. That was so much fun. Thank you so much to Suchin Pack and Cool Up, be Lysok for stopping by the Webby Podcast. Their new podcast, Add to Cart, just dropped on November 17th. If you haven't taken a listen, make sure you do. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Webby podcast and want to support it, leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really like it and you want to make my mom happy, leave us a review. If you are making great stuff on the internet, I hope you won't forget to enter. Our final deadline is coming up Friday, December 18th. For information on that and other information on the Webby Awards, visit webbyawards.com. That's W-E-B-B-Y awards.com. And on most social platforms at the Webby Awards. You can reach me on social at DMD Likes. Our producer is Taylor Griffin. Our editorial lead is Jordana Jarrett. Terrence Brosnan is our editor. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is our final entry deadline, December 18th. I'm your host, David Michelle Davies, and this is the Webby Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.